0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter.
1: This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd.
2: This is Ben Sears from TheMovieState.com.
1: And this is
0: ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to the Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer, where we have several different uh, Patreon levels. At the $1 a month level, you have access to over 150 exclusive B-roll episodes. That's usually us just kind of farting around or talking about a specific topic or question or current media event or. Anything. Uh or, we uh, just did AARP
2: movies oh, for Or grown-ups. the
0: AARP <laughs> movies for grown-ups uh awards. And uh and yeah, we also just did a lightning potpourri where we talked about X, uh Yellowstone, and uh Severance. So check that out at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Oh, also at the $2 a month level, you get TV and book reaction reviews. And then I think I'm gonna start doing immediate reaction reviews of movies I see in theaters. In that uh, tier. So that's at the $2 level. And at $5, you get commentary tracks and uh, Patreon potpourri, which is just me talking about a collection of movies I've watched lately um recently i just posted the uh commentary track for the shawshank redemption so you check that out and then finally at the ten dollar level you get all of that plus early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content again all of that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i'm your aforementioned host matt hurt and with me today is of course tiny and recurring co-host and creator of the themoviestate.com ben sears how is it going you guys
1: going good man nice. wonderful
0: Nice. Um, uh, We have some uh, business to attend to before we get into our Ebert's Great Movies List uh, uh, reviews, Uh, which, by the way, this episode is an Ebert's Great Movies List episode. It's a special series that we're running on the show, have been running on the show, uh, where we each pick a movie from Ebert's Great Movies list, which is a collection of essays that he did of over 300 movies um, that he deemed to be great. And so we're just kind of picking from the list and uh, discussing three movies uh, in each installment of the series. You can find more information and links to all the episodes in the series at obsessiveviewer.com slash Ebert series. And yeah, so Like I said, before we get into all of that, we have some business to attend to. Uh, First, I want to just give a spotlight to Ben, whose website, themoviestate.com, has been just off and running and hitting the ground running. How is it going over at themoviestate.com, Ben?
2: Wonderful. Um, I uh, just, I think as of this recording, just yesterday, I posted an interview that I did, uh, a really fun interview with a director. Uh, local Indiana director nice. uh, of a horror film that was uh set in and filmed in west baden indiana nice. uh which i I thought was pretty cool nice. um so check that out there still doing the Kurosawa series yes um and uh still doing occasional movie and t v and comic book reviews nice and I'll uh after actually by the time this comes out I'll also have another interview posted with the director and star of um this movie Topside which nice. will be available on VOD um I th- I believe March 25th um, nice uh, probably by the time this comes out mm-hmm. so um yeah nice uh, I like that one as well so Check it out.
0: Nice. And what was the name of the Indiana horror movie?
2: It's called So Cold the River. So Cold the River. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah I saw the trailer for that, and yeah, it looks it looks really good. It's pretty cool. Have nice. either of you guys ever
2: been to West Baden? I have not. No. The hotel? No. no. Have you are you familiar with it? No. Not even kind of. <laughs> it's it's a distinctive hotel. I'll nice. just say that. Okay. It's, okay. it's pretty cool. It's right by French Lick if you've mm. ever been there. Okay. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have not. Um, cool, and you mentioned the Kurosawa series, which mm-hmm. I'm contributing essays about Akira Kurosawa movies. Essays about uh, his filmography. Uh, I think is the next one posting this week.
2: Uh, yes. Okay. This, uh, Wednesday.
0: Yes. And which one is that again? Um,
2: um, hold for applause. Yes. Um...
0: <laughs> I yeah. I I need to get back into writing the reviews and everything, but. Um, I have a little bit of a buffer there, but uh, I want to get cracking on it more. But uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying kind of talking about Kurosawa on it, and I need to. I I had this whole plan to do podcast episodes covering the movies as well, and I still have that intended. Um, I just need to kind of work out the logistics. I wanted to do one a month, but then uh i had to figure out uh moving and everything so uh that kind of took precedence. so hopefully now that i'm about to move i'll get everything sorted out and uh get on track for that but yeah ben what's the one so, that's posting
2: wednesday uh the next one is senshiro sugata part two
0: ah yes yes the uh that's that's a pretty fun one it's interesting um but yeah but check that out over at com. thank you again ben for letting me uh ramble on sure. your website yeah um and then also elsewhere on the internets you were a guest on our friend brent from the ifj his podcast awake in the dark uh do you want to talk about that experience
2: sure yeah um it was it was a really fun conversation we talked about oscars and gave our oscar predictions what we think will win what we want to win uh what got snubbed all of that fun stuff Stuff that we used to do on this podcast, but uh I guess won't be doing this year um and uh yeah it was it was pretty fun it's a good podcast uh good conversation, so check it out nice available yeah. wherever you get your podcast yes
0: uh yeah i enjoy i enjoy his shows his show a lot and his writing um i'm gonna have him on um the podcast at one point at some point we're going to work out the logistics of it and everything but i do want to give a shout out to brent as well that uh tiny and i at least are talking on new microphones yeah that sound just amazing in my ears mm-hmm. um that were uh courtesy of brent so yeah um so thank you brent uh yeah and other new business tiny what have you been up to <laughs> Not much. Uh,
1: Nothing that exciting. Have Um, you, so
0: you were going to be a guest on the year of underrated Stephen King.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I got COVID. Yes. (laughs) So that got postponed, but Mm -hmm. I'm still planning on doing a recording with Kim from -hmm. uh, from that podcast. And uh, I'm not sure when it'll be up. Hopefully in the next few weeks I'll record Mm -hmm. with her. So yeah, I'll let you guys know. Nice.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I made the joke. Very stupid joke. Like I, I like listening to you with other podcasters. Um, I don't know. It's stupid. Anyway. Um, so yeah. So that's exciting. And and the year of underrated Stephen King is a fantastic uh, Stephen King podcast. Yep. That actually posts new episodes. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, a, novel, a
1: novel concept. Yeah.
0: Really interesting. Um, so uh a couple of things that i have to say is that i mentioned this on the patreon recording but this is the final episode of the obsessive viewer that we are recording in obsessive viewer studios aka my apartment um because i'm moving in a couple of days to the north side of indianapolis um which is interesting because every time i'm in that area tiny i pass by drake's Mm-hmm. And I think about that every time I pass by, because that's the place that we went to get food after we recorded the first episode of Obsessive Viewer.
1: Ooh, was? Yep. yep. I, d- I did not remember that. I remember
0: that distinctly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh. So, yeah. So, anyway, I always think about that. But anyway... Hmm. um. Yeah, so I'm moving, so we're going to have Obsessive Viewer Studios 2.0 soon, so there might be a little bit of lag with getting some content pushed out there, but I'm hoping not because uh, I want to play with these new microphones a little bit more. Um, And then uh, another big change as well is that we are going to be getting a new theme song very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, It is written by our friends, as good as it gets, Mike the co-host on sabbatical uh we miss you mike and uh and uh uh, repeat guest on the podcast dustin uh mattingly and yeah i i have been corresponding with mike and dustin a little bit about it we had it was part of their um kickstarter for their album um i i paid the tier for a song song workshop where they would write and produce a song uh for me, for those backers, and so I was like, "Yeah, you're gonna do the Obsessive Your podcast theme song." <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we had when when it's fun when it's finished and everything, I'm gonna have Mike on, and we're probably gonna do this for Patreon, but we're gonna do like a whole like talk through the whole process and everything um it's gonna be a lot of fun but i gave them i gave them some parameters of what i wanted which i'll talk about in that episode at some point (laughs) um and then i shared a list of them which i was really proud of this on letterboxd i made this list i don't know if i still have it on there or not but i had a list of all of the five star movies i've rated on letterboxd (laughs) and the name of the list was as good as it gets Uh, (laughs) i thought that was really clever but (laughs) I've got to say I'm not going to say anything else about the song cuz like he like Mike has sent me uh kind of like the the rough rough cuts of it and everything. Mm-hmm. He said that all the parts are there now he just needs to master it, which I don't know what exactly that means. Yeah. But he gave me like the demo of it and everything and I listened to that on like repeat for like for like a solid yeah. hour. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a it's two, 2 2 hours. It's 2 minutes and 55 <laughs> seconds long. Okay. And I counted in the lyrics 13 movie references (laughs) it's bonkers incredible and i love it i've had dreams where we where i premiere it on the podcast (laughs) Um, i'm very excited and uh mike in addition to all of that is going to also cut a version of it that's going to be our intro um so i'm not gonna have to like slice it up or anything he's gonna do a specific version that's just for the intro of the podcast so very much excited about that and uh and yeah i uh i'm so pumped wow Um, that's awesome yeah so i think that that should be maybe the next episode of obsessive viewer will have that or it might be the one after that depending on what i do but uh very much looking forward to that i'm so excited um yeah and then the other thing, the last piece of new business, is that I want to bring back this thing that we've done in the past. Um, I want to offer to our listeners, uh, we're going to give away one free year subscription to Letterboxd Pro, which gives you stats and everything on Letterboxd. So if you're on Letterboxd, follow us on Letterboxd, uh, you know, our, our um Usernames are all in the in the show notes and everything. Um, all you have to do to be eligible for the free year subscription to Letterbox Pro is to share a link to this episode on social media, preferably Twitter or Facebook, um, and tag us. Um tag me, you can tag me, uh, at Obsessive Viewer um or the Obsessive Viewer, you know, Facebook page. Um so share, the, share a link to this episode, which will be ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV366. Um, and also, in addition, in that post, tell us what your favorite movie is from the Ebert's Great Movies list total. So you can find that list on my letterbox. I have a, a, a list of uh, all the Roger Ebert greatest Great Movies list. So, Anyway, just something to get some kind of traction going for, for us. Okay. Um, can can oh, yeah. they
2: share uh, a link to the episode on the uh, the the Trump social media network? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whatever that one is called.
1: Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> sure. Isn't it um, called like Truther or something like that? I don't uh, know. Who knows? Who know knows uh, if it's even still running? I, yeah. It probably is not. Yeah. Um, but no,
0: I would say no. Um, and then <laughs> I'll give it like a week. When I when I turn in the keys to my old apartment, um, <laughs> I will look through hopefully all the submissions we get, um, and I'll uh, I'll pick one at random and then DM you or something and get your Letterbox name and, and get you a free pro membership. So and that's a I mean that's a free pro membership that gives you stats and everything, some new bells and whistles on Letterboxd, and it's a full year. So uh, so yeah, so check that out and share the link on social media. Okay, so um, any other new business before we begin with our Ebert's Great Movies List uh, episode here?
2: Nope. Negative.
0: All right, great. So uh, as is customary, I'm going to play our Ebert's Great Movies List jingle or stinger, whatever you want to call it. And then uh, we'll get into our uh, reviews of Rebel Without a Cause, The Conversation, and My Neighbor Totoro. So here we go. No name is more synonymous with film criticism than Roger Ebert's. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and children.
2: People say, do film critics have too much power? For
0: those who can hear me, I say, do not despair.
2: We can help a movie. We can help a movie by sharing our enthusiasm. We can't necessarily hurt a movie that is destined to be a big hit anyway. You, the
0: people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure.
2: And then Roger Ebert gets well, up. What I uh, find very offensive and condescending about your statement is nobody would say to a bunch of white filmmakers, How could you do this to your
0: people? <laughs> Let us all unite! All right, and uh, the quote attributed to Roger Ebert in relation to his Great Movies essay series is, One of the gifts a movie lover can give another is the title of a wonderful film they have not yet discovered. Here are more than 300 reconsiderations and appreciations of movies from the distant past to the recent past, all of movies that I consider worthy of being called great. And, of course, the concept is that we each select a movie from the list and uh, review and discuss them in a special series of podcast episodes. Once again, the... uh, the, um, Oh, the archive for all of our episodes in the Ebert series is ObsessiveViewer.com slash Ebert Series. So guys, are you ready to dive into our uh, reviews tonight?
1: Absolutely. All
0: right. Great. Okay, and we are going to get kicked off with 1955's Rebel Without a Cause, which was Tiny's pick last time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, this is part 12 of our ongoing series. So again, check out the archive and everything for past episodes tiny will you do you mind hitting us with the plot summary for rebel without a cause and tell us why you chose it last time
1: i'd be happy to the plot summary reads a rebellious young man with a troubled past comes to a new town finding friends and enemies um as matt said this came out in 1955 um i chose this it's going to be a really short story. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. And it's an an iconic movie. Mm -hmm. And I've just never seen it. I've always wanted to see it. Um, I remember about four years ago, we drove through um, Fairmount, Indiana, where Hmm. James Dean is from. Oh, yeah. And there's like a really big, um, like a, I don't know, it looks like it's hand-painted billboard, like hometown of James Dean. And there's like a painting of him like this movie poster of him with like the red jacket on. Oh and yeah, it was really cool. It's like a really cool uh, um, billboard. Um, nice. And so I've, I've always wanted to see this movie, and I, I really have. I wish I had. I wish there was more of a story here or something <laughs> sure. like that. But it's, it's just. It's an iconic movie. I've never seen.
0: Had you have you ever seen any other James any of the other two James Dean movies? I have not seen. Wow. Him at, ever so. Wow. Yeah. East of Eden and Giant.
1: Right. I saw the little like made for TV biopic they did with mm-hmm. uh, James Franco playing okay. him. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and, and cool. And James Franco did a good job, but nice. that's my only only thing I really know about James Dean. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, we're going to get into this here in just a moment actually because I'm going to play a clip from the trailer for Rebel Without a Cause and then we'll go into our non-spoiler uh review of Rebel Without a
1: Cause. You know what kind of drunken brawls those parties turn into? It's no place for kids.
3: A minute ago, you said you didn't care if he drinks.
2: He said a little drink.
3: You're tearing me apart! What? You you say one thing, he says another, and everybody changes back again! Girls don't love their father. Since when? Since I got to be 16? Stop that! I love you, Jim. I really mean it.
0: so uh Ben you had seen you've seen rebel without a cause before correct I have okay uh yeah. what did you what did you think of it like let's go around the horn and kind of talk about our history with it and everything um and then we'll t- we'll talk about it as well I had never seen it either so Ben you had seen it before mm-hmm. and yeah how should we go
2: into it <laughs> yeah um this is the only James Dean movie I've seen mm-hmm. so um and yeah I don't I don't know I saw it recently. Mm -hmm. and uh just uh, i i i don't know i thought it was really great and i didn't really know what to expect uh, at least the first time Mm -hmm. and i was really blown away by it i i really liked it a lot so um yeah nice cool tiny what were your thoughts um
1: I have no history or relationship with the movie, like really at all. Other mm-hmm. other other than that, I know that it's an iconic movie, and it's it's on a lot of, you know, like hundred greatest movies of all times kind of list, mm-hmm. Ebert's greatest movies list. It's on yeah. it's on lists like this, um, and uh, that that I just wanted to see it. That's mm-hmm. the that's the only thing. Um, I actually thought it was just kind of okay. Um, oh, interesting. I, uh, okay, of, of the three movies we're going to talk about tonight, it's actually my least favorite um i didn't dislike it by any stretch um i do i think it's um i understand why it's iconic mm-hmm. uh, just it, the imagery alone is, is yeah. just iconic um and uh you know the final film of james dean he died a month before it came out yeah um all that all that history and that uh um emotion encircling the movie in 1955 when it came out i mm-hmm. totally um I, I it's 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 a very fascinating story in that regard but um yeah. Uh, and, and just how influential he, uh, he was in this role. Um, I, the, the movie for me was okay, but James Dean, mm-hmm. I, yeah. what a tragedy they yeah. lost, we lost him at the age of 24, 25. Yeah. He was incredible. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about more about that later. Um, Natalie Wood as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really great. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it was just okay. I'll, I'll get into some of my issues with it later, but, um, Um, yeah, it was, it was okay. I'm glad I watched it. I'll probably watch, see it again at some point. I'd I'd like to see it again, uh, some point in the future. Um, but yeah, for me, um, just, just okay.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, I was, I was more taken with it, honestly. Um, but it's interesting because I, it wasn't until probably like halfway through or even kind of toward the, the back third of the movie that it, it really clicked with me. Like I had spent, as I said, in my letterbox review, um, I had spent, a considerable amount of time watching it, wondering what is it that makes this so iconic? Like, what is it about this movie that is so celebrated? Because I was just like, this is nice. It's nice, but <laughs> um it's not blowing me away. And then the kind of final act of the movie happens. And then it just kind of all clicked together. Like there's a scene where, and I'm going to tippy toe around spoilers, but there's a scene where, James Dean's character talks about how he just wants to do the right thing once. Like he wants to, he doesn't want to be a screw up. He wants to do something and have it be the right thing. And then when we get to the climax of the movie, that line is paid off in a certain way that just is just kind of devastating in, in, in its execution. And, it's just it's really fascinating um to see to see this movie play out the way it does and i really enjoyed it and yeah uh james dean's performance oh, yeah really really good yeah um yeah and it wasn't until in the in the opening scene i remembered in uh the disaster artist how they talked about how yeah. Tommy Wiseau is uh was like obsessed with James Dean and then like when he says the <laughs> you're tearing me apart Lisa. I was like whoa okay oh, boy. <laughs> yeah um yeah Ben what did you think of the movie overall
2: yeah I I think uh part of the reason why this is so iconic is because I granted I don't have like a complete Hollywood history in front mm-hmm. of me but Uh, I mean, I guess I technically do on my phone, but um, (laughs) I feel like this was one of the first, if not the first movies to come out that depicted teenagers in such a real and conflicting light Mm -hmm. um, in such a way that made them so complex. And so uh, not just like... They're up to no good, or yeah. they're, you know, uh, was did this come around or come out around the time of like Leave It to Beaver or that kind of? I think so, you know? mid 50s, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it very much goes against that kind of wholesome, you know, mm-hmm. Americana, Americana. Ty- type yeah. of yeah. Port- portrayal of kids, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was
0: something that I was really struck by, and I didn't really put together or realize that it was like, you know, one of the first earnest depictions of teenage mm-hmm. it, teenagedom um <laughs> until after I saw the movie. And like while I was watching the movie, I was like, this is like this is very much a in a very much accurate depiction of teen angst. It's it's mm-hmm. perhaps one of the best like and most authentic depictions of like teen angst I've ever seen. Yeah. And to come around to it after the fact and realize like, oh, it's also probably like technically the first depiction of like authentic teen angst on film. It's like, it's right. insane that they did it so well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, also yeah. the idea of peer pressure, I think. Mm-hmm. And right. right the, the amount of peer pressure that teenagers go through. Yeah. I think, I think adults kind of, you know, like that whole Peter Pan effect, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. grow up and you forget what it's like to be a kid. And I yeah. think that's what, when you get older, that's something that you kind of lose sight of mm-hmm. how, how powerful peer pressure is yeah. when you're 16, 17 mm. years old, um, and this movie nails it. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, yeah. Give, I'll give it credit for that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And on that same note, the concepts of like masculinity and sexuality right. and everything, Oh, yeah. right? Really and, interesting.
2: And how you, how your uh, view of adulthood is shaped by, you know, what your parents project yeah. and what adults around you project, right?
0: And what you think they should project as well. Yes. Like mm-hmm. the scenes where he is, he's angry with his father because his father isn't the max masculine prototype that he, sh- that he, that James Dean feels that he should be is right. like yeah, incredible.
2: When, when in reality, his dad is just being, you know, a, a reasonable, yeah. uh, uh, attentive. Yeah. He just loves his son. husband yeah. and father. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I think I think the disconnect for me, or the the part that I struggled to reconcile about the movie, is is some of the motivations mm. of the characters, mostly James. Why James Dean's character Jim Stark? Mm. Why he's so at odds with his parents? I yeah. I think that the motivation for that kind of I I think maybe I missed it, or mm. it wasn't communicated well, or it was sort of um, unclear. I to me you know if putting myself in that character's shoes my parents just uprooted their entire lives and moved to a new town Mm -hmm. for my benefit yeah maybe be nice to him a little bit you know (laughs) but he's he's just continually at odds with them and upset with them and i i didn't really understand that um i i maybe if i had kids i'd understand it Mm -hmm. better um you know i think when you're that age you just kind of your parents are always wrong they can't do anything right they're not your friends they're you know that's what i was gonna say maybe
0: if i like you saying like oh if i had kids i was gonna say like or if you were a dick when you were a teenager (laughs) right you weren't a dick (laughs) right maybe that's that's why you don't
1: connect with it (laughs) right right so um and then um so that that sort of bothered me with the movie i guess Mm. and again maybe i missed something um, but that, that just wasn't clear to me and I couldn't really, I couldn't really reconcile the movie with that. Um, and also there was an interesting scene early on and maybe, maybe you got it better than I did, Matt, cause mm-hmm. your, your comments about sexuality, mm. there's a scene, I think it's early on in the first act or so where Natalie Wood mm-hmm. is like trying to kiss her father goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like angry with her and he's like, no, you're not a kid anymore. We don't yeah. do that anymore. And, she was really hurt by it. And I loved her in that scene. That mm-hmm. was maybe her, one of her best scenes. Yeah. Um, I It was just, I didn't understand why he was so upset by it. I kind of understood why she was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, her character is constantly doing all these very aggressive adult things. And I think she's kind of playing that. Mm-hmm. She she's She doesn't actually feel that way, but society and the peer pressure is expecting her to be this you know, uh, upcoming beautiful girl mm-hmm. and, and becoming an adult, but she still has these tendencies towards being a kid mm-hmm. and like, she wants to kiss her father goodbye. And yeah. I, w- I, I think, was her dad so upset because she's an attractive girl and she's his daughter and he's trying to kiss, she's trying to kiss him on the mouth. I don't that know.
0: was my kind of take. That's what and I thought too. Ben, but what, I, were, what are your thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, I, um, I didn't think too much about it to be honest. But okay. yeah, I I can understand that. Yeah, I kind of was just kind of thrown it. by it.
0: Yeah, I kind of saw it as as her father being kind of, um, kind of a kind of a counterbalance to Jim's father in a sense, because Jim's okay. father is is not like this machismo guy. He's like cooking dinner. He's like mm-hmm. he's. He's not an authoritative figure in the traditional masculine sense. Whereas uh-huh. Natalie Wood's father in the movie, who I don't think is, I, that might be like one of the only times he's even in the movie, yeah, I think. Right. But that scene to me is this like, m- like I, maybe I'm putting like my own views on <laughs> like the concepts of toxic, toxic masculinity, and everything into the movie. But I think that it's a pretty, a pretty interesting depiction of Someone who is not in touch with, with who they are in a sense. They're more in touch with who they're supposed to be, like this masculine energy. So, like, yes, okay, his young daughter is now growing into a a, a young woman, and she is having like features that are you know womanly in mm-hmm. in a sense. So when she tries to kiss him, he gets insecure, thinking that like that's inappropriate because you're now a woman. So I can't have any physical affection. show any kind of physical affection i need to be you know standoffish i need to compartmentalize the emotional bond i have with my daughter because i'm a man and she is becoming a woman and that's Mm, taboo and weird and everything
1: that's a good yeah insecurity is the best word you just you just nailed that it's definitely insecurity on his part yeah like he doesn't know how to be a father to a a person a woman who's a girl who's turning into a woman yeah
0: he doesn't yeah. know how to be hashtag girl dad
1: um <laughs> nice yeah okay that clarifies it yeah I think and that's, yeah
0: and to an extent i like i think that that might be a slight fault of the movie for me because i okay. feel like that isn't explored nearly enough like i think yeah. that that's something that should i wish that i wish was explored more because also she the reason that she's in the juvenile center at the beginning of the movie is because she was wa- wa- walking the streets and everything. And it gets implied that she's, you know, being a prostitute, but it's a little unclear yeah. there.
2: Um, I feel yeah. like if a, if this movie ever gets remain and mm-hmm. God, I hope it doesn't, yeah. uh, that will be, that would be expanded upon mm-hmm. given its own, yeah. uh, yeah, its own, uh, Dramatic weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I really love the way that
0: the three central characters, uh Natalie Wood, um is it Johnny and Jim? Um
2: Plato?
1: Plato. Plato, Plato, yes. Plato that's yeah.
0: right. Um Plato Not and Jim.
1: Ralph Macchio, as I kept referring to him, because he looks so much like Ralph Macchio. <laughs> oh, I didn't even th- <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that like 30, wow Thirty years before Karate Kid.
0: Yeah. Um, I really like the way that those three characters have their own distinct yeah. experience and everything. And I love the way that like Plato is this, I mean, he's a kind of a tragic character and he's also the most wayward of them uh, in a sense. And like, they're all directionless and everything, but there's that scene where they're pretending to be adults touring a house and it's like, mm-hmm. It's like that. I th- that was the exact moment where I was like, okay, this movie is clicking with me now. I'm this is this is this is definitely working for me. Yeah, that's um, a great scene. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I, I just love how uh Plato is introduced, and this may be the first time you see him, but somebody asked him, like why did you kill those puppies, Plato? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you want to find a way to, uh, make this character, you know, either misunderstood Mm -hmm. or, uh, as a a dark character, just ask them why they killed puppies. (laughs) And,
0: Honestly, I love the ambiguity of that because we don't know the context of that. We don't know the context of Natalie Wood walking the streets. We don't know the context of why Jim's family moved him to a different town. Mm -hmm. It's all just like that makes it feel so naturalistic in a way that I just really I really kind of keyed into during the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah uh what else should we talk about with this (laughs) Uh, for
1: for me what Mm -hmm. what i'll always remember about the movie is just james james dean's performance yeah as as jim stark i think um again i just that this movie to my in my opinion the reason why this movie is iconic is just just have the image in your head of james dean in that red jacket Yep, Mm -hmm. he is just cool a f in that fucking role like he just he looks good best costuming yeah. his awesome hair super good looking guy um i read in the trivia that um t-shirt sales like quadrupled <laughs> after this movie oh, came that's out because awesome. right. people didn't wear t-shirts before that but like that is wow. i think you know the the kind of 50s um car club kind of image or um archetype that we think of of a guy in you know cuffed jeans with a white t-shirt with a pack of cigarettes rolled up in the mm-hmm. arm that's that's this movie that is yeah. james dean in this movie and i it just jumped out to me like man that is so cool and wow. that, that that's that's the iconography of this movie and that's why it is what it is and and mm-hmm. i totally get it ha- having seen this movie um and i and i think in so many other scenes uh james dean is just he's just a really just he's a cool cat. Like that's that's kind of yeah. what comes to my head because he's so smooth. He reminds me. I think if he had had not have had not tragically died, I think he would have been a rival for someone like Marlon Brando. Oh yeah. Because uh, some of the scenes where he's kind of one on one with Natalie Wood's character and they're having very real, genuine conversations. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not putting forward these facades where they're being a cool teenager. He's very genuine and yeah. calm with her reminds me so much of a young Marlon Brando in A Streetcar Named Desire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. walking through the park with Vivian Lee talking about life and she drops her glove and he picks it up and that's a very famous scene but right. he made me think so much of young Marlon Brando and to to think about what he could have done mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have had a you know a Don Corleone role yeah. at some point in his life and they you know how how what a gift he would have been to Hollywood for for the rest of his time if he hadn't have died so tragically. Um,
0: Absolutely. I was
1: blown away by it. It makes me want to see East of Eden and mm-hmm. I can't remember what Giant. the other. Giant. Yeah. yeah. It makes me want to see those just, just yeah. to see him.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's interesting cause he, like he idolized Marlon Brando. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't know that. That's yeah. it
1: totally came across. Oh yeah. His oh, own, yeah. his own version of a cool Brando type character. He was not, wasn't a plagiarism at no. all in my opinion. No. Uh, that's what i will always remember is just how great he was in this movie so and you know it's it's his legacy as well that's that's the it's obviously tragic but it's also incredible Mm. that this is his legacy so it's
2: uh speaking of marlon brando i'm just reading this on imdb Marlon Brando was asked by Warner Brothers to do a 5-minute screen test in 1947 yeah. for Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, interesting. The studio abandoned the original project and originally revived it 8 years later. Huh. So, Yeah, cool. Cuz I believe it was based on a
0: book and uh yeah. and I think he did like screen tests for it and everything like you said. Mm. Yeah, cuz um,
2: I, if I remember right, wasn't Brando was kind of in like the like motorcycle gang kind of movies at that time okay Uh, yeah i might be wrong on that one but i feel like i remember hearing about that yeah uh dennis hopper is also in this movie yeah i did not i could not play
0: i could not pick him out he looks way different he has like
1: blonde hair and wow yeah i i Mm. I recognize him but yeah Mm. um yeah what else was i gonna say oh the idea of basically the game of chicken that they play yeah holy shit yeah like, what i i had never heard of that concept mm-hmm. that game before yeah it's like it, and, and to me it's not the it's not the brush with the death that they have right it's that they're they're throwing away a car yeah like oh, you, yeah. you get two cars and you're driving them off a cliff yeah. like you just you just have two cars that you can oh, just yeah. drive off a fucking cliff <laughs> yep. i was like i wonder if i mean it has to be people had to actually do that like I, that's a good uh, question did someone yeah, just come know. up with this for the come up with that for this movie like <laughs> yeah. if they did that's brilliant but right. if they didn't who the fuck are the people that were playing this yeah. game when they were oh, yeah. 16, 17 years old
0: yeah
3: um,
1: I thought it was incredibly dramatic and it was really oh totally really incredible and again it demonstrated this Youthful, mm-hmm. um, youthful invincibility yeah. that a lot of teenagers have. Oh, you, know, yes. you don't, you can't see all the consequences of your yeah. actions, and uh, it, it obviously has a tragic end, yeah, tragic result. But, um, really incredible. Yeah. I, I like that, and I, I just, I love oh, yeah. again James Dean's performance in that, that, uh, that moment where he's so reluctant. Mm-hmm. To take place in this because he's like I don't really want to do this but yeah I'm feeling the peer pressure and I have to do it yeah
0: and they have that just completely like like pleasant conversation right like you know uh, why do we do this uh what what else are we gonna do exactly it's crazy yeah um yeah I thought that was incredible (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah any any other thoughts on rebel without a cause.
2: No, I uh, I also uh, really want to watch East of Eden and Giant, mm-hmm. Giant a little bit less because mm-hmm. it's like three and a half hours long. Is it really? So oh, long. I didn't know that. Wow. It's it's at least three hours. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to watch those.
0: Wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, are they both on the Ebert list? No. No. Oh wow. No. Are either of them?
2: Uh, East of Eden is not. I know. I okay. know that much i'm pretty positive giant is not as well
0: okay interesting hmm um well yeah oh that's rebel without a cause um so let's go around the table and uh say thumbs up or thumbs down and would it make our individual great movies list okay um tiny since you picked this one we'll have yours last to anchor okay i'll get us kicked off and we can go clockwise um we can go clockwise in this audio medium (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I give it a thumbs up and I would put it on a great movies list I am someone who I really adore teen uh, dramas and teen films like that's Mm -hmm. something that I grew I came of age to Mm -hmm. watching teen like movies and everything um and to see the kind of first one or like the the first one to really dive into what it is to be a teenager is really interesting and kind of took me back to my hell raising days of <laughs> wearing a jacket and a white shirt or whatever um and uh and yeah or not
2: but anyway yeah uh
0: thumbs up on my on my list uh i liked it uh ben how about you
2: yeah uh sorry real quick final thought oh, um yeah i really would like to know uh what the rest of jim and um i'm sorry natalie wood's character's name yeah, i can't remember her name either what hap- what the rest of their lives looks like after mm. the end of this movie yeah um because it's me too it's so interesting the way that it mm. ends and just their lives could just go completely off the rails or yeah. it could be you know uh totally different mm-hmm. who knows um but yeah. yeah um definitely thumbs up uh would i put it on my great movies list man you're really tearing me apart <laughs> <laughs> um, Nice. yeah I, i'm pretty sure i would um nice at least until i see the other james dean movies but mm-hmm. i i'm pretty sure yeah
0: nice cool nice
1: and tiny uh thumbs up for sure nice um i sort having an analyzed it with you guys i feel better about it than mm. i did um i still don't think i would put it on my great movies list though okay uh which seems kind of sacrilege but i think what i would replace it with mm-hmm. is probably a top 20 favorite of mine ooh graffiti oh gr- uh american graffiti american, graffiti. american, graffiti. american okay. graffiti like probably one of my favorite movies oh yeah it's set at the same time period mm-hmm. It's sort of the yeah. same teen angst yeah, uh, Americana. It's, yeah mm-hmm. it's also a one night uh, yep. it takes place in one night um god i love american graffiti i love love that movie mm-hmm. it's filmed in the 70s yeah. but set in the 50s yeah. um mm-hmm. uh, that i i think maybe the trend or the uh subgenre that rebel without a cause established mm-hmm. of the kind of teen angst dramatic movie was perfected by American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just my opinion. Um, I, obviously I have no qualms about you guys putting the movie on sure. your list. And I, 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 in another life I would put it on my list for mm-hmm. sure. But um, if, that's if, a
0: really good replacement though. Yeah.
1: If you love this movie, go see American Graffiti. Cause yeah. it's, it's probably a top 20 of mine. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the, probably the best movie directed by George Lucas. Um, <laughs> honestly so... <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not saying that to be an anti-Star dick.
1: You are, but uh kind of right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah.
0: mm. Uh all right, great. Well, we're going to continue on with the We're going to continue the conversation (laughs) with uh, my pick, which was The Conversation from 1974. Um, I am going to uh, play a clip from the trailer, and then we'll get into The Conversation.
1: This is a world of hidden mics and two-way mirrors. A world where nothing is private.
3: Do you think we can do this?
1: Later in the week. Harry Call is an expert, the best there is. Let me tell you something about Harry Call. The best bar none. I'll drink to that. Best what? The best bugger on the West Coast. What about me? He can bug anybody, anytime, anywhere. Nobody knows how you did it though, Harry. Caused a hell of a scandal too.
3: Look, do you see him? The man with the hearing aid, like Charles. He's been following
1: us. They're not people to him, just voices.
3: Three people were murdered, that's all.
0: All right, so the conversation is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh it was released in nineteen seventy four in the plot summary, is surveillance expert Harry Call is hired by a mysterious client's brusque aide to tail a young couple. Tracking the pair through San Francisco's Union Square, Call and his associate Stan manage to record a cryptic conversation between them. Tormented by memories of a previous case that ended badly, Call becomes obsessed with the resulting tape, trying to determine if the couple are in danger. It stars uh Gene Hackman. And uh, John Cazale, Cazale, Cazale um, in one of, what, five movies he was in <laughs> that were all nominated for Best Picture um, and also includes uh, Terry Garr and Harrison Ford. Um, I picked this movie because I saw that it was screening at the Can-Can Theater here in Indianapolis hmm. um, and I saw it in the theater. I was the only person in that screening. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of a shame, yeah. but also kind of really cool. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that I didn't really have any other kind of experience with it or anything. Um, yeah. Uh, what did you guys think?
2: So, um, I, like you, Matt, I had never seen this movie before. Um, I knew it was... By this guy named Francis Ford Coppola who <laughs> like makes wines or something. Um, and uh, yeah, I had never seen it and um, liked it. Um, maybe didn't love it as much as I had hoped I would, but mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, thought it was pretty solid. Nice. Um, I know this is a kind of movie uh, that I feel like has been remade and riffed on and uh it's it seems to be a genre of movie that just seems to be i don't know ripe for redoing and reinterpreting and uh thought that was a pretty interesting angle of it too
0: yeah absolutely like a um a friend of mine actually the host of um, uh, the Rick and Morty podcast, uh, Brandon Cruz, he also does, uh, probably his own podcast and I, I always blank on the name of his podcast. Jesus. I'm so sorry, Brandon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, submitted for your approval. That's the name of his podcast. Anyway, uh, he had commented on, uh, on a post that I made about, about this. And he mentioned, um, I think it was him. He mentioned like, now you should check out the, um, pseudo sequel from I think 2000, uh, enemy of the state. And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> okay, that does have some interesting correlations yeah, and everything." Totally. Um so yeah, so I'll have to check that out, but um but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh Tiny, what did you think of the conversation?
1: Uh of these three movies, this was my favorite. Nice. I was mm. really blown away by this. Um I thought it was an incredible piece of filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. the technicality, the technical aspects of the movie are really impressive. There's also, you know, the technology is kind of infused into the movie itself. Yeah. The technology they're talking about is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, mixed in with some great character work. Um, And just a really great idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was really, really brilliant. Um, and I loved, loved Gene Hackman. I mean, he's, he's always good, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is one of his best for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's such a... I, I always I'm always intrigued by the concept of isolation and, mm-hmm. and it's funny because um I th- I think it's a thing that plays in this movie too. Be, mm-hmm. Um uh, because I think the character of Henry Call is because of his personality and his preferences in in the world, he's a very isolated person. Yeah. But he talks to people every day. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really yeah, really fascinating character work on his part. I was I was really impressed by that. But um yeah. yeah, just a really incredible idea for a movie, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um I loved this movie. I have not I had not seen it before, like I said. And I got to see it in the movie theater, which was awesome. Um, At the Can-Can also, definitely check out, if you're in Indianapolis, check out the Can-Can Theater. That place is awesome.
1: I imagine the audio in a theater was super cool. Oh, it
2: was cool. I I was about to ask you about that because, yeah, it's a very, it seems like it would be a very sound design focused movie. So I Mm -hmm. got to imagine.
0: Yeah. Not only that, the reason why it it has had like a little bit of a revival in theaters is that I think that the the sound has been restored or or oh. or what okay. what have you i don't oh, know nice. the spec- specifications or anything but like they actually did like treatment on the sound and it's like it's it's restored sound quality wow. so it it sounded really great it looked really good um and i was just really invested in the movie and grant i'm gonna go ahead and make the make the joke and everything yeah it's about a dude that plays with audio equipment (laughs) like he he works with audio equipment so yeah i i was excited about that (laughs) but tiny to your point about the isolation and everything and the characterization of, of 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 harry girl um
1: Harry Call, I think Harry I said, I think oh, I said Hen- Henry. Yeah, yeah, it's Harry. Harry Call. It's Harry. My bad.
0: Um, is just really rich characterization. It's really fascinating stuff, and it's it's so interesting to me the way that he is this. He's he's this person who's celebrated in his field, and he knows like he knows the ins and outs. He knows all of these things and everything. Yet he doesn't there's there's a an element to the story that's about perception and about what he perceives of of things like what he chooses to focus on what he chooses to let in from other people and everything and like you said tiny he interacts with other people all the time throughout the whole movie and even people who are like very celebratory of him but he's also extremely guarded and he's so like he does not want any like he's he's standoffish to to an extent because he doesn't let anyone get close it's it's a weird interesting kind of almost riff on the spy genre Mm -hmm. and it's it's so interesting to me and there are some dream sequences that i thought were just incredible yeah um i was i was really really taken with this
2: Did, did either of you guys read the Roger Ebert essay about this? I did not. And I meant to,
0: I had links to it. I was going to send it to you guys, but, um, by the way, uh, Ebert's rebel without a cause, I'll have links to all of the essays in the show notes, of course, but, uh, his rebel without a cause, um, essay was written on June 19th, uh, 2005 and his conversation, um, essay was written in February on February 4th, 2001. Mm. Uh, but I did not read it did you
2: Uh, yeah and uh, it kind of goes along with what you guys are saying with Mm. the characterization it's and I picked up on this to some extent but uh, not to the extent that Ebert did Mm. but it's about how he is celebrated in his field and people regard him as I think someone says like the best bugger or Mm -hmm. wiretapper on the west coast and yet he is bad at his job yes <laughs> like <laughs> yes. he his landlord uh finds a way into his apartment he uh gets tricked at this convention or whatever yeah um
0: the second he was given the pen i was like dude
2: yeah <laughs> come on right he um he sleeps with uh i guess ebert wrote it as she's a prostitute i guess i didn't pick i didn't up on pick that, up on that interesting uh,
1: like A call girl yeah mm.
2: but yeah he he sleeps with her and then she steals the tapes after he falls asleep oh yeah um so i i think that aspect of it is really interesting and yeah i think the character study aspect of this is really great uh, that was my favorite parts of it. I think what I liked a little bit less is the uh the wiretapping bits and mm. the like what was going on in the tapes, you know oh and, interesting and the, the mystery behind that. I wasn't as uh enthralled by that. I guess mostly maybe because it didn't or I guess it kind of does affect him. Uh, Mm -hmm. directly but um i i didn't feel a sense of urgency with him finding out those you know the mystery behind those tapes i also (laughs) i kind of had the exact opposite viewing experience uh from you matt Mm -hmm. um because i i feel like i remember when we did this last and we made our picks Mm -hmm. this was streaming on somewhere hulu and now it's not. Oh, it's or, not. Or it, it was not when I tried to watch it. Oh, and dang! And so the only place to stream it for free was on Pluto TV, which oh. has ads. So <laughs> dang. Yeah, uh, I think it's like an an hour and forty five minutes or something, but yeah. with ads, it was an extra like half hour longer. Oh, so mm-hmm. it was just annoying. But yeah.
0: funny anecdote that I've said before. I've had this experience before uh i was the only one in the theater um part way through i really had to go to the bathroom <laughs> so i put my earbuds in i loaded up hulu and got it to the point i was in the movie and <laughs> ran to the th- ran to the bathroom did my business watched the movie went back to my seat did not miss a beat <laughs>
2: that's funny uh,
0: so yeah so technology yeah um yeah it felt appropriate right um but yeah, I, I, yeah. But as far as the mystery is concerned, it, it's interesting because I, I agree with your sentiment, Ben. Like I wasn't that connected to the mystery mm-hmm. either. Um, I liked it as a way to perceive him as an empathetic character, despite being so closed off and antisocial and awkward and everything. But when, and we won't go into spoilers, but when the kind of circumstances are are more fully revealed it 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 surprised me it the payoff was well it it paid off well for me but it wasn't anything that i was questioning throughout it and i think that maybe that's partially by design like maybe you're not supposed to think like oh well what's actually happening isn't necessarily what's actually happening because it's so steeped in his characterization and his history his his uh Perceived redemption arc that he has, and everything that when like the kind of reveal happens, it's a little bit of a shock. But it also, by complete happenstance, um, also isn't something that uh, um, really resonates or anything. I don't know. Hmm. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought the whole um, again, all of the 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 technical aspects of the characters in the film. Collecting mm-hmm. the audio and oh, yeah. the technical aspect of filming mm-hmm. that yeah. was just that I was all about that. I was all over it. Yeah, um, that opening
2: yeah. Uh, one take sequence yeah. is yes. really great. It's yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: It With the sound design. Yes. Yeah. The 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 way that the, the the microphones look like sniper rifles. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, amazing. And right. of course just uh, capturing audio. Like I was just yeah. it was my that was my jam.
2: And yeah. I think um, I uh I may be wrong on this, but I think I read that the uh actors who uh, they're listening to they recorded those same lines but they like they recited them differently oh, uh so based on uh like different parts of the movie they can sound one way and uh-huh. a different way later uh which which i think is another really interesting aspect of uh of harry and mm-hmm. how he is is so involved with this yeah. yeah,
1: well, that kind of comes into play because you know there's the, the line of the audio that uh, Harry is focusing on yes. is when the one character is like he would kill us or something. Yeah. You know, he he's he could very easily kill us or whatever mm-hmm. the line is. But then once it's revealed, you know he's he he kind of plays it back in his mind, and the guy's like, well, he'd kill us.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. just like that's that slight
1: so cool. change in delivery, the nuance mm-hmm. or cadence of his voice completely changes that. sentence it's so it's so cool um i i really enjoyed that um but yeah again it's again kind of part part character work part technology and Mm -hmm. um it's it was really cool i love that that part and
2: i also think it's really interesting how this movie is uh not purposely but just by complete sheer i guess Bad luck, good luck—I don't know. However, you want to put it, but it's kind of uh, irrevocably tied to Watergate. Oh, that yeah. Was, did Watergate was what seventy-two? That or seventy sounds. Or right. was Nixon? Did Nixon resign in seventy-four? I thought it was 70. Or was he uh, seventy-six? It wasn't that late. Hmm. But but I know. I like, want to say seventy-two. I know a lot of the like. I feel like I read, like, people were speculating that the Watergate burglars had, like, been inspired by this movie or something. I don't mm. know. Yeah, it
0: but was which... uh, the Watergate scandal. um was uh, June 17th, 1972.
1: Okay. so a couple of years before yeah. this. Okay. okay. Interesting.
2: Or, or, yeah, maybe I had it the other way around, that, mm. that Coppola was inspired by okay. Watergate. So, yeah uh yeah i i find that really interesting too
1: yeah yeah i hadn't considered that Me um,
2: that's interesting
1: topical i guess at the time aspect of the movie that's interesting
2: (laughs) but yeah it, it it not only with the whole wiretapping thing but how america at that time just especially after all the news about watergate came out and how you know you can't trust the government or mm-hmm. what what you're being told right. all of that uh and how it plays into this. Hmm.
0: And yeah, and that also gives sadly a certain timelessness to it with the uh, <laughs> you know um the stuff that we've dealt with uh over the past couple of decades really. Yeah, um, which I guess yeah. in
2: that regards is kind of why this subgenre of movie is so uh, so easily adaptable and yeah. is e- able to uh, be remade so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which absolutely. reminds me have Have either of you guys seen the Soderbergh movie this year? Kimmy, Kimmy? no, not yet. No. Okay, I I really liked it. It's it is very much uh not necessarily a rip off, but mm-hmm. definite similarities to this. Okay. So, uh, I liked it. I like
0: Zoe Kravitz in The Batman so I Mm -hmm. want to seek out more of her work so yeah. Even though I'm not I'm hot and cold on Soderbergh. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh he's hot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know did we have anything else to say about the conversation?
1: It's funny that Harrison Ford is like the least interesting part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, the yeah. biggest, the biggest movie star in the in the movie. <laughs> mm, <that's, laughs> At the time, he wasn't obviously but. right.
2: That's another thing that I read about this, and I maybe I need to rewatch this. But mm. um, I think I read that he his character was only supposed to be in like one scene, mm. and then Ooh. Harrison Ford came up with this take on this character that he's gay. And oh. Coppola was really interested in that and expanded his role. Huh. So hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't totally get that, but I don't know. I guess yeah. I need to watch it again and look for any subtext.
1: Yeah. But... Yeah. Me too. Interesting. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah. This is a movie
0: that I will revisit at some point. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Me too. Um, also, the really um, liked it. At, at the end, the whole freak out oh, at his, yeah, mm-hmm. in his apartment where he just tears it apart. <laughs> yeah. Just, so and and i love how they oh yeah they we, we as the audience we got to experience the whole thing it, yeah it wasn't like a little quick couple mm-hmm. scenes like it we it was like a few minutes long and we got to see him just go nuts and yeah full paranoid mm-hmm. paranoia um that was really like satisfying yeah. and kind of disturbing on a certain level and just so well done yeah it
0: made yeah. me either appreciate or feel like this this example is more derivative of this than anything but uh steven spielberg's munich it really like i like in my head now i'm like putting it together like like munich was very 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 much inspired by this definitely um so yeah
1: I mean, that's a movie i haven't seen in a long
0: time yeah, yeah. same here i need Good to movie. watch that again i i really like it um I just, I remember seeing it in the theater when someone brought their whole family, including a baby. Oh, God. Yeah. Like their whole family, like one of them could have stayed home with the baby, but no, they brought all of them and the baby. Well, Spielberg <laughs>
2: makes family films. So. That's true.
1: <laughs> all I know yeah. is if any one of us gets late late tonight, it's because of Eric Bannon. <laughs> 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 Every time I think uh, of that movie, I think of Knocked of, uh, uh Knocked, Knocked up. up, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah uh so good yeah yeah well uh i think that's it for our conversation on well, the conversation yeah um yeah we'll go again around the horn and and give our uh rating thumbs up thumbs down and uh if it's on our great movies and why don't we begin with ben
2: um yeah i uh i think i gave it four out of five stars uh i would give it a thumbs up I don't think I would put it on my great movies list. Interesting. Um, Not because I didn't like it. I just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't see myself revisiting this with much regularity. Okay. Um, What I would replace it with. um, Just apropos of absolutely nothing other (laughs) than I... I just love the movie uh but Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, nice. Um hmm. yeah, I don't know. Uh I just <laughs> I I haven't looked super in depth at the Ebert mm-hmm. list, but I can't imagine there's a ton of female directed movies on there. Right. So.
0: Uh, I thought for a second <laughs> you were going to say Portrait of a Lady on Fire on there. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: there might have been some issues with that. Yeah. But, yeah, so that nice. would be my
1: pick. Cool. Nice. Tiny, how about you? Um, thumbs up for sure I forgot mm-hmm. to give my rating on Rebel Without a Cause I think I gave it three stars okay might bump that to three and a half nice this was four stars nice. definitely a thumbs up and on my list for Sweet. sure I, yeah great movie nice yeah.
0: yeah Uh, thumbs up for me four stars on my list and I gave I think I gave uh Rebel Without a Cause four stars as well I don't think I mentioned that before okay
2: uh, I don't think I did either but yeah. I either gave it four or four and a half stars
3: nice
0: okay Sweet. Alright, well that is the conversation and we're going to wrap up this episode with our thoughts on Ben's pick, which is My Neighbor Totoro from 1988. And I'm going to play not a clip from the trailer, but a clip of the English version of the theme song here to bring us in. So, here (laughs) we go.
3: Totoro, Totoro Totoro, Totoro
0: All right, so this was Ben's pick for the Ebert's uh Great Movies List episode series. So, uh Ben, why did you pick it and what are your thoughts and what's the plot summary as well?
2: All right, plot summary of My Neighbor Totoro. When two girls move to the country to be near their heirling mother, they have adventures with the wondrous forest spirits who live nearby. Um and I mostly just picked this because I love it. Um if you couldn't tell by now, uh, I love H- Hayao Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Um I love uh I love this movie. I think it is maybe not my favorite Miyazaki, but I think mm-hmm. there is just something special about it and uh I just wanted to be able to talk about it.
0: Nice. Um, and should we talk about that video you shared with us now,
2: uh, or save it for later? Well, we'll get to it. Okay.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Um. <laughs> yeah, I had not seen. I like Hayao Miyazaki mm-hmm. and Studio Ghibli in general. Ghibli. Ghibli.
2: Gib, uh, Ghibli.
0: Ghibli. Um.
2: Excuse me. That's fun
0: yeah (laughs) it's still going i don't know what why it does that that's weird and i think that this is the first time that the mic picks it up uh which i'm gonna keep it in fuck it (laughs) but anyway um yeah that's not i'm not gonna miss that (laughs) um but uh i had not that like like studio ghibli and Hayao miyazaki like big blind spot for me like (laughs) we watched
2: Spirited away spirited away,
0: which I had seen previously, but and I enjoyed, but I think I don't think I've seen any other ones, and my neighbor Totoro was um you know a pretty delightful experience for me that theme music is you know very much catchy and and <laughs> mm. fun. I enjoyed this though i I think of the three, this is the least I have anything to say about, honestly, <laughs> okay, but uh i i I enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit i'm slowly and surely getting more into uh miyazaki's work and i think we should also mention whether or not we watched this dubbed or subtitled i watched the english dub which i will say features the vocal talents of one tim Daly, yeah uh star of wings which
2: (laughs) is he the dad yeah Yeah, he's okay Yeah.
0: yeah Um, so how did you guys watch it?
1: Uh, I watched the English dubbed version. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I watched both.
0: Nice. Okay. Nice. Um, Tiny, what did you think of My Neighbor Totoro?
1: Uh, I really enjoyed it as well. Nice. I, um, I've, I've been trying to decide if I liked it more or less than Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. That's the only other, uh, Miyazaki movie, Miyazaki movie I've seen or, uh, Studio Ghibli movie I've seen, mm-hmm. um. it's they're very different movies so it's it's, they're i mean they're completely different really um but Mm. so i I was expecting something more in that vein but i was pleasantly surprised with how just how different it was um but the word that jumps out to me is that this this movie was just the textbook definition of like whimsy just whimsical time and Mm -hmm. and that's that's hard to capture i mean true whimsy and just Mm -hmm. um the the you know the uh uh um, improvised nature of that or the, you know, unintentional nature of whimsy is so hard to capture in any story. It doesn't matter if it's a movie or a poem or a mm-hmm. book. It's hard to truly capture that, that sentiment. And this was pure, pure whimsy. And I was absolutely delighted by it. Um, yep. And that's, that's nice. I, I, yeah, that's what I loved about the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I I totally get that. I will say, just right from the forefront, right up top, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more <laughs> than Spirited Away. That's not a knock against Spirited Away. I just think that this movie had, I I was I connected with it more specifically because throughout most of its runtime, it is this. It feels like this kind of natural slice of life thing where the dramatic parts of their lives most notably their mother having some kind of illness i don't like i don't know if it's what it's stated to be but she's in the hospital right. throughout the movie like that is just playing second fiddle to this whimsical magical kind of story with these two sisters and everything and then at toward the end of the movie when those elements of the movie converge and bring us to like the emotional and dramatic climax of the movie it just like i i have in my letterbox review like I, it really really makes me appreciate miyazaki's like style and the way he wrote it too didn't he yeah okay yeah because he has like total control over his stuff or something like does he hand enemy he,
2: he yeah um yeah, yeah he found he helped found he was like one of the co-founders of studio ghibli mm-hmm yeah god that's insane yeah yeah this was his third film that he directed
0: Wow! yeah Yeah. um i just really really loved his storytelling in it Mm -hmm. um and i thought it was really really unique like a really unique way to tell this story that is steeped in kind of this family drama but having that play kind of in the background to an extent Mm -hmm. so i really liked it yeah
2: yeah i think part of the reason why this movie resonates so much uh all these years later is because i feel like this is the best movie in my opinion the best movie ever made animated or otherwise about what it feels like to be a child mm-hmm. you know oh yeah you have uh one of the things that stood out to me early on is the scene where they first get to this house Mm. and the two girls are running around and they're like pushing on this post and Mm. just trying to, they're not necessarily trying to knock it over. They just are just like exploring it and they're going in all these different rooms and they're seeing these little soot sprites and they're, they're not freaked out. Well, I guess they kind of are freaked out by it, Mm. but they're ultimately just curious about it. And it just feels like that is, That is how it feels to be a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and then they find uh, Totoro and it's not this thing that you see in every other fucking animated movie (laughs) where Totoro, you think that he's big and scary, but he's actually super friendly. Mm. No, he's just he's. He's nothing, really. Yeah. You know? Um, he's not threatening or mm-hmm. scary. He's, I mean, we can just cut to it. He doesn't even really do anything. Right, he's kind of like that,
1: a, it's kind of like a stoner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just there for like entertainment. He's sure. like, "What are
2: we doing?" Okay, yeah. he's he thinks the rain is super cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Totoro just, you know, if, if this if this was an American movie totoro would you know hold the key to making the mom yeah not sick and again again right or, right um really the most that he does is at the end he summons the cat bus which we'll talk <laughs> about uh he summons the cat bus to find uh may and mm-hmm. that's all that he does yeah you know mm, the, from, from a plot perspective right the yeah. sick
1: mother is almost like a misdirect yeah.
2: Really. Yeah. yeah yeah and yes in again in any other anime uh, american animated movie she would be like close to death or mm-hmm. her sickness would be played up so much more right and it would just it would just feel cheap you know yeah.
0: and i love that it is from the kid's perspective. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have, like, I'm sure that if this story was told through the, through the father's perspective would be a completely different tone, completely different experience and, and have that importance on the, the drama of the mother and everything. But it's like the kids are, they, they're kids. They're innocent. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, they can see the creatures. Like, like that's, they, they have that, kind of magic one thing that i really liked about it was how it seemed like for for a decent amount of time it seemed focused on how the older sister was kind of taking over some of the household responsibilities and mm-hmm. the motherly duties and everything i really liked that aspect of how that kind of shifted the relationship a little bit um but yeah i i like that
1: yeah. yeah For for me the um the the delight of this movie is summed up uh perfectly in uh the scene where may first meets the the giant totoro mm-hmm. um the 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 purity of that scene mm-hmm. i just had a big smile on my face yeah and was literally laughing right. at how absolutely delightful and just mm-hmm. pure childlike wonderlust that moment yeah. was just mm. so Pure, pure is the word. It was just pure mm-hmm. whimsy. I I absolutely adored that scene. It was absolutely adorable. Yeah, and just, but it wasn't like um, I I think maybe if you were describing that scene to someone, mm-hmm. it would seem like um, like like a kitschy cute thing, like um, like what are those dumbass um ceramic <laughs> dolls? Those something <laughs> promise dolls that are just cute little kids making like pouty faces
2: with the big eyes the big eyes sure those things are creepy and Mm -hmm.
1: that's what they're trying to do with those statues and they fail miserably (laughs) and they're creepy and weird and stupid and i hate them this is the antithesis (laughs) of that like it's just it's 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 delightful like you said it's 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 a um uh condensation of what it is to be a child condensed yeah. down into one scene and mm-hmm. i absolutely just love how she's playing with his fur and yeah it's it's, it's amazing too because there's almost no dialogue yeah. yeah um she's just she might be saying like hello wake up but it's like mm-hmm. there's no communication yeah. uh, verbal communication between them not really he kind of growls his name at her right but it's all this emotive Interaction between the two of them, and it's it's just, I, it's just so adorable. I was yeah. just absolutely delighted at that scene. um This a close second is when they um they see the Totoro, and I guess so. Are all three of the creatures technically Totoros? Yeah, I think so. They're mm-hmm. just the bigger yeah. and the smaller and medium one. Mm-hmm. Um, when they see them in the middle of the night, and they go over to the garden, and they like raise the trees up. Yeah, and that was just again, it's there's not not much dialogue. It's just. Mm it's just whimsical, whimsical fun and yeah. ch- childlike wonderlust fun and i just thought that was so really probably one of the best examples i've ever seen of it mm-hmm. oh yeah um the kind of oh, flashes yeah. of like uh you know um like never neverland and peter pan where it's mm-hmm. just pure fun as a childlike yeah. fun uh, incredible incredibly well done yeah
2: oh yeah it's it's kind of like um to go along with like <clears throat> the sense of imagination it's like, I remember when I, I moved to a new house when I was in second grade, uh, still here in Indianapolis, but a new house. And I remember there was a tree in our backyard that was an evergreen tree. And there was some space like at the ground level. And I thought it was so cool. And I I had plans to like put a like cardboard door on the outside and turn it into a clubhouse or something. <laughs> and you really like you get that sense, like Miyazaki trans uh, conveys that so well mm-hmm. throughout this of the, just the way that these kids imagine, you know what Totoro is and this this new space of of theirs that uh, is I think can is conveyed so well.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and the best thing about this movie (laughs) is it didn't teach any of any any of our kids about periods like that (laughs) turning red movie (laughs) oh yeah um
2: (laughs) uh believe it or not i i feel like that uh like turning red i i did feel some relatively strong if not miyazaki vibes definitely like anime vibes Mm -hmm. just in the look and feel of the animation yeah yeah yep um yeah but, uh, and yeah. and to go back uh like tiny what you were saying with the the scene where may first meets totoro and she like falls asleep on him um i love the look of that scene and mm-hmm. just the way that miyazaki animates it like there's mm-hmm. these just these small little details going on around in the background that just looks so great that did not necessarily need to be there but that's just like that's who Miyazaki is as an animator. Like he mm. he pays attention to the smallest seemingly most insignificant details and it just it translates so well without you ever really thinking about it, mm. you know? Which is why I sent you guys that clip.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh my god, Let, should we talk about that now? Sure. Okay, do you want to kind of bring us into that?
2: So there's a famous clip of these um CGI animators, Mm -hmm. and they're making this presentation to Miyazaki. Um, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but 2010s, we'll say. Okay. Um, And they're showing him this uh, algorithm or AI that they created that could potentially work in like zombie video games. Mm -hmm. And it's this weird headless corpse that's just crawling around and they're talking about like what how they taught it to move without a head and you're watching him watch this and his immediate reaction is i feel that this is an insult to life itself (laughs) which is just just incredible just a great line but it it sums up his worldview and the way that he views you know animation and human movement and the subtleties of how we move and uh and how we draw that so well Mm -hmm.
0: yeah like uh when you shared that like my my reaction when i when i finally watched it was uh hang on i'm trying to find it here um Uh, I said holy shit first of all the way he just explains his concerns with it so elegantly and clearly is so freaking amazing (laughs) Uh, because I love it when an artist has such a clear idea or clear convictions about the world that they can just speak to speak so directly about something just amazing. And on a more comedic side, imagine working on something, presenting it to someone as visionary and important to their industry as Hayao Miyazaki, and have him say your work is an insult to life itself. <laughs> like how just how just demoralizing is that? <laughs> um,
2: yeah, and, and I saw um, that clip is part of a documentary which I watched, and mm. so I I was able to see it in context, and it. I think it explains it even better because nice. it's his technically post-retirement. Mm. Like The Wind Rises was his most recent movie in 2013, and he announced that he was retiring after that. Yeah. Um, but he was working on this short film and was incorporating CGI, uh, extensively, like for mm. the first time, because you know, spirited away and how's moving castle and Ponyo and some of the later movies, they have CGI in them, but they're mm-hmm. just little snippets, you know, when, yeah. right. when it would be too, uh, tedious or too difficult to hand draw it. Mm-hmm. And so he was working on this short film that was going to be primarily CGI, but, you know, still look like a hand drawn animation, mm-hmm. but, um, The whole documentary is just him wrestling with, you know, his inability to like cede control to these computer animators and just this new way of thinking and working, which he, which is totally different from the way that he has worked for Mm -hmm. half of his life or whatever. Wow. I thought his reaction was
1: pretty strong in, in that <laughs> yeah. video i i it's not i i mean I, I disagree with him to an extent because i i'm not sure exactly what he was going for or I, what what i'm saying is everything has its place and right. like, so that i thought that animation was pretty effective that they were showing and like it was creepy, and yes. like if you're playing it like a Silent Hill video game, mm-hmm. that'd be an effective visual cue in that game. Yeah, and that's fine, and and I, that it looked again effective to me. Mm-hmm. But I understand his viewpoint that it doesn't have any heart. It's a, an equation. Right. It's a visual mm-hmm. equation, and I, I, I I'm not. I I maybe disagree with him, but I don't think he's wrong if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like I I totally get what he's saying, but it's just, it's just two different, two different schools of thought, I guess at at play. Um, but I, again, I did, (laughs) I thought it was, uh, comical when mm-hmm. they, they kind of cut to those two animators and they were like kind of open mouthed. Yeah. <laughs> like we thought this was super cool and right. everyone's <laughs> been telling us how cool this is. And you literally just shit on it harder than anything ever. <laughs> um, that was a fun bit of comedy for sure. Right. But, um, oh yeah. And, and like Matt said, his, his ability to so effectively and concisely critique that mm-hmm. is, speaks to his, his talent. Yeah. Just raw talent an as, as, an animator. Amazing. Yeah, an intellect. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Totoro, really. um, <laughs> I, so, um, I didn't read Ebert's full essay, but I did tweet about this and I found this so fascinating. Um, now I'm going to read the first paragraph of his essay. Okay. And then I'm going to give more detail uh, following to follow um, the first paragraph of his essay here's a children's film made for the world we should live in rather than the one we occupy mm-hmm. a film with no villains no fight scenes no evil adults no fighting between the two kids no scary monsters no darkness before the dawn a world that is benign a world where if you meet a strange towering creature in the forest you curl up on its tummy and have a nap in hmm. that I found to be so profound and beautiful. Yeah, and then I read the date that he wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote this essay December twenty third, two thousand one. So this uh. is two months and in, in change after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And I just found, or three months, September, October, November, December. Yeah, three months and change from nine eleven. And I just thought that. Is so that that's so interesting to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, like, what his headspace was like there, right. 13 um, years
1: after the movie came out.
0: Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you guys read the essay or do you have any thoughts on that? I didn't.
2: I have read the essay, mm-hmm. um, it's not like fresh in my mind, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've read it before. That's okay. a
1: beautiful summation for sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I love that perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love the lead
0: paragraph on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, um. And, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, someone somewhere has to have built a real cat bus, right? It's got to be. <laughs> there has to be one somewhere. They're... Like in the movie. Like someone yeah. like put fur on a bus and built a cat bus. I hope it exists somewhere.
2: Uh, I think it's either opening this year or next year or something like that but there there is definitely there's a uh, Studio Ghibli museum in okay. nice. like Tokyo but there's also going to be a Studio Ghibli um theme park. Nice. Oh nice. So, and what I love about that is I read that one of Miyazaki's stipulations on getting it built was that they could not tear down any trees to <laughs> oh, nice. to wow. uh, for the construction. Wow. Cuz you you kind of get a sense of this uh, in Totoro, but Miyazaki is very much an environmentalist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very much about you know preserving the earth, and uh, especially like Princess Mononoke is very much an environmentalist like mm-hmm. fable. So that's cool. Yeah. Wow. Cool.
0: Yeah. I uh I enjoyed it as usual. I think I got more out of it uh in this discussion than I did in the viewing of it. <laughs> nice, so yeah, off yeah, to revisit it. Um shall we go on to go on to our uh ratings or our ratings thumbs up thumbs down and if it's on our great movies?
2: Uh, yeah. Real quick, mm-hmm. uh kind of to go along with what you were saying Matt about th- with the uh the essay. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like this is a movie that is universal. Mm-hmm. Like You can find something to relate to it, no matter how old you are when you first see it, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your past experiences have been, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter, you know, if you're a realist or if you believe Mm -hmm. in, you know, fairy tales, whatever, you can find something to relate to in this. Even if, you a podcaster? Had
1: a, <laughs> even if you had a shitty childhood, this is yeah. the childhood you wish you'd had, mm-hmm. right? Kind of thing, yeah. Right. To, totally agree. Or,
2: yeah. or if you like, I feel like, especially, we all have siblings, yes. yes. So, uh, I had to pause for a second, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, two of them, Matt, yes. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, especially if you have siblings, you can find uh yeah. something to relate to in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Um oh, and yeah. I, I think even if you don't, you know, you can you can find something something there because yeah. Totoro is kind of a uh is kind of a surrogate sibling in sure. some some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. Right.
0: Nice. Um ratings and lists and all that? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Tiny, do you want to get us
1: kicked off? I'll go first. Yeah. Um I think I gave it I don't remember what I gave it, but I would give it four stars out of five. Uh, thumbs up, and I'd put it on my list. Um, nice second second studio ghibli movie in a row. I would put on my mm-hmm. list, so two yeah. for two. Yeah, nice. for sure. I li- really liked it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I rated it four stars as well. Four three four star ratings for all three movies for me. <laughs> nice. Um, in this edition of Ebert Screen Movies, um, yeah. I and thumbs up, and I would I, honestly, even if I didn't really um i don't know well no yeah i'll say it yeah i'll put it on a list um i don't remember if i said i'd put spirited away on the list or not but uh if not then this is what i would replace it with um yeah but yeah uh i liked it
2: now how many stars and how many uh great movies lists would you put the cat bus on
0: <laughs> oh yeah oh that would be the that would be my preferred mode of transportation to yeah the Matt hurt great great movies list film festival i
1: i wish i could ride that bus but i'm allergic <laughs> so, <laughs> but no as uh, genuinely as far as like cool like like cool transportation modes and mm-hmm. movies cat bus how cool is that yeah. it's like, totally i mean and it, I would make, even... it would make it make my list yeah you know
0: I didn't even think about the allergy thing. That really sucks to be allergic to buses. Yeah, that would um, be a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Every time I work at uh, Indigo, just yeah, Indies. oh yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So that is so. Uh, go, sorry, no, uh, oh, no. Yes,
2: five five stars oh, yeah. for me. Two thumbs up. Uh, great mm. movies list. No question. <laughs> nice. Um, my, nice. My actually one more serious question. Mm-hmm. Um, would does. Either this or Spirited Away make you guys want to watch more Ghibli or Miyazaki movies. Oh,
0: definitely.
1: Especially the big ones. Like, I've never seen Princess Mononoke or Howl's Moving Mm -hmm. Castle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The big ones I at least definitely want to
2: see. Well, then I have good news for you both. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Studio Ghibli Fest happens every year. Yep. And Princess Mononoke is playing at AMC Theaters. April 3rd, 4th and 6th. Nice. And it's playing at the Can-Can on March 20th, or sorry, nice. April 20th. Okay, Very nice. I'll
1: have to go see the Can-Can. I'm going to be out of yeah. town for that mm. the April showing. That sucks.
2: Right. Cool. Um yeah, I I'd be really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that because mm-hmm. it is whew, we we talked in Spirited Away about uh some of the scary things mm-hmm. in that. Princess Mononoke is freaky. Okay. Nice. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, also, Studio Ghibli Fest, Ponyo in May, mm-hmm. which I really love. Okay. Um, The Cat Returns, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen, is in June. Kiki's Delivery Service in July, uh, late July, early August. Mm-hmm. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is in September. And Spirited Away, October 30th, November 1st, and 2nd so nice cool okay put that on the calendars
0: yeah i am really interested in, in a lot of those princess mononoke in in particular as well as kiki's delivery service and i'm really interested in seeing the wind rises at some point oh yeah um yeah so nice um shall we wind down with our picks for part 13 of the ebert's great movies list series on the obsessive yes. viewer podcast Let's presented by obsessiveviewer.com. Uh yeah. Uh, so, how did we do this? We went reverse chronological, I think. I don't know. Um, well, no, let's just do this. Tiny, since yours was first this time in chronological order, what is your pick for part 13?
1: That works. Um, because of what's going on in the world, specifically Europe, mm-hmm. I chose 1964's. Doctor Strange, love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Oh, nice! Uh, since there are nuclear weapons at play in the world at the moment, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And I, have you guys? Have you guys, I think you've seen it, Matt. Have oh, you seen yeah. It oh, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it in a long time, mm. but I have seen it. So
0: I, I think in one of the Barnes and Noble like Criterion sales or something, I bought the I bought the Criterion Blu-ray and watched it. Okay, it, nice. And yeah, um, yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. That's my pick. That is Very awesome. On.
2: And then I guess I'm gives me amazed. a good excuse to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, oh, it's so worth it. Not streaming. It's right
1: streaming, on. but you have to pay for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like three bucks or four bucks, whatever. Okay.
2: Yeah. Worth it. I
0: mean it's yeah. totally worth it. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh yeah. So my next my pick for part thirteen um is <sighs> um the specific reason that I am going to pick this movie, is, and I I'm curious if Ben, if you know what I'm going to pick. Mm-mm. Okay, so you, I'm assuming that you haven't listened uh, to one of the Patreon recordings.
2: It's Birth of the Nation, isn't it? No, no,
0: <laughs> I'm saving that. And what's the other very very uh,
2: Triumph of the
0: Will? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna do that for like the last one ever. <laughs> um, uh, oh, you know, I had one picked out and then I was just like, and then I just saw some Kurosawa movies, but I'm going to stick to what I, um, uh, was going to pick in, uh, in addition to follow with the theme of, uh, with a certain theme from, um, my movie this time, I'm going to go two years in the past from the conversation and pick 1972's *The Godfather* nice. uh, by Francis Ford Coppola, which very exciting because they just released the 50th anniversary um, box set Blu-ray and 4K Blu-ray mm-hmm. um, that I'm I'm eager to of get my the hands trilogy, on right? of the whole trilogy, including mm. the coda, the death of Michael Corleone version of part three. Oh, um, very interested, and it was in theaters the last couple of months or so. Hmm. Um, and I got to see it in the theater, which was crazy. Cause like, I saw The Conversation in the theater, and then a couple of weeks later, I saw The Godfather in the theater. Nice. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe I can catch Apocalypse Now somewhere or something. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm very eager to talk about that Talk about that. Yeah. on uh, our Ebert's uh, episode because, yeah, oh, just watching that in the theater was just so great.
1: I think there's um, supposed to be a cast reunion at the Oscars this year, That's right. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Oh, yeah um yeah so that should be fun that's my pick it is the godfather and i believe it's streaming on hbo max probably um maybe i don't know but yeah uh ben how about uh rounding us out with your pick for next time
2: all right so um i'm uh, gonna pick a movie that i've never seen oh interesting from a director that i've never seen oh. who uh which that director is ingmar bergman oh ooh. um and he has a lot of movies on this mm-hmm. list but the one that i'm going with is from 1966
0: persona nice okay and okay
2: plot description uh, a nurse is put in charge of a mute actress and finds that their persona are melding together.
1: Huh. That's I'm not awesome. familiar with that
2: movie at all. I've nope, seen I'm not either.
0: it around. I have the uh, Ingmar Bergman's Cinema mm-hmm. uh, box set from Criterion. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanya, I love that you just looked up. <laughs> I did, because I'm so used to looking. I know, because yeah. all my DVDs and Blu-rays and everything are packed away. But uh very excited to finally break that open and check it out. Uh yeah, and Persona, if i if I if I understand correctly, is one of his most celebrated movies.
2: Uh yeah. If you if you go on his like letterbox, mm-hmm. you know, profile or whatever, yeah. Uh it's it's either number one or like number two. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, streaming on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> nice.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, those are our picks. Uh, the Godfather, uh, Dr. Strangelove, and Persona. So, check that out next time. I don't know when we're going to do another one of these, but I'm hoping that with the move to the new place, I'm hoping that uh, since it's a little bit farther away from everyone, I'm I'm going to be doing more remote stuff, and maybe that'll open the door to some interesting stuff with the podcast. We'll see. Um, but thank you once again to Brent for the new microphones. These sound incredible. Yep. And uh, And... Also, we neglected to talk about William Hurt dying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was surprising. Yeah.
1: Um Favorite yeah. William Hurt role. Ooh. Mm. Um, because I
2: don't have a lot off I the top of my head either. to choose from, I'll say broadcast news. I've, I've never seen that.
0: Yeah, I've never seen that either. It is streaming on HBO Max, if I, mm. if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, I am probably going to steal Tiny's. But you you go ahead and say yours, Tiny, because I already know what yours is. You do? Yeah, I think so. I'm oh. almost now that you said that like that, I'm 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 lacking a lot of confidence.
1: <laughs> uh altered states. Yes. Yep. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah that's oh, my yeah. favorite role. Yeah. yeah. Love that movie.
0: Oh yeah. I remember you introduced me to that movie and mm. I thought it was kind of uh creepy. Oh, it's freaky. Yeah. Oh a, yeah. In a great way. Yeah. Hmm um that was his first film role i think it was yeah yeah first role, yeah, nice. nuts yeah i'm gonna go way off the beaten path and say something because there's some movies that i have not seen of his several movies that i have not seen of his but i i kind of like his performance in the village
1: oh that's a good pick yeah mm, i like that pick yeah
0: i think yeah so i don't know but
2: yeah um yeah so r.i.p william hurt yeah um, um yeah. sorry real quick plug hmm. for the can can oh
0: yeah i need to let, let's actually i'll I'll bring us into that real quick um yeah also what do you have going on ben and with the movie state.com and everything <laughs> and also anything you want to say i should not have interrupted <laughs> you to do that because that's very clunky now but anyway uh, no sorry worries.
2: um and i'm keeping it in by the way (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i'll uh i i've got a couple interviews posted uh one is a interview with a director for a horror film called uh so cold the river which was filmed and uh based in uh west baden indiana which is southern indiana around the french lick area um uh and then uh another interview with the director and star of uh a film called Topside which I liked quite a bit um not sure of any upcoming movies that I'll be reviewing there's mm-hmm. a new Richard Linklater movie which I'm yeah. pretty excited about that I'll be reviewing hopefully mm-hmm. um uh yeah yeah and then nice. Kurosawa's uh still rolling yes oh yeah and
0: we will definitely do some more podcast stuff with that some any podcast stuff with that <laughs> um
2: yeah uh but uh just just a super quick plug for the can can yes. uh there was some news uh, maybe two weeks ago at this point um there was a 2021 technically 2021 movie called memoria mm-hmm. with tilda swinton um which is they're doing a it's uh it's a neon movie. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a super weird uh, distribution release plan with this. Mm. They're showing it. They're bringing it around the country, one city at a time, and it's only playing in one theater at a time for one week at a time. <laughs> so <Pets? laughs> okay, be, that's weird. And, and it, it is it is super weird. It's mm-hmm. not ideal, but it is you know, a way to drum up excitement for a movie that might otherwise not get seen. It's yeah. like they're um, trying
1: to lose money. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um but as someone who watched it on a screener at the end of the year last year, i a hundred percent agree it is a theater experience. Nice. Uh, if I didn't say it already, it's called Memoria. Mm-hmm. It's coming to the Can Can Theater, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh starting may 13th so check it out there get your tickets if you can i if you (laughs) can't i plan on going (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh hopefully so um
0: yeah i hope to go too um because i i missed out on memoria i I just didn't get around to it Mm so um yeah i'm gonna try to get go to that yeah cool um and once again before we go uh once again just check out the patreon um patreoncom viewer and also uh share the link to this episode on social media and tell us what your favorite Ebert's great movies list movie is of like just of the entire list um and uh you know i'll pick one of one of you guys if anyone does it um <laughs> uh and get you a free pro membership for letterboxd which uh will be a free year of letterboxd pro which gives you stats and everything um, and it's it's really cool um so yeah uh yeah you can tweet me at obsessive viewer and do the facebook page and all that. So uh without further ado we're done for the night. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh thank you guys so much for joining me in the final episode in obsessive viewer studios 1.0. Um and uh yeah looking forward to more stuff in the new in the new digs phase 1. And phase 1, yes. Like, yes. Scenes, like the one. Yes, like the Avengers. Yes, like the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was about to reveal like what the new apartment complex is called, but I'm not going to
1: say that. Pizza's about to scratch your eye there. out, so you have to wear an eye. Yes,
2: patch, so. there will be a post-credit scene. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yes. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Obsessive Viewer. We'll have more stuff to come uh, and check out Patreon and everything. I'm going to go ahead and play us out. I want to say once again, thank you guys so much for supporting us and for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time with whatever we do on your in your ear holes. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. And now here's a short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of one dollar per month. Thank you and enjoy. Oh, that's that's Yellerstone. Yellowstone. Um yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about Sam Elliott's comments, Tiny? About Jane Campion <laughs> and Power of the Dog? No. Yeah, he uh he was on Mark Maron's podcast, and he said, like, Mark Maron asked him what he thought of the Power of the Dog, and then Sam Elliott said something like, yeah, let's talk about that piece of shit movie. <laughs> it had a bunch of cowboys there. they they'd never got out of their chaps, and they, they were running around with their shirts off, and uh, they were like those Chippendale dancers and talking about uh, repressed homosexuality and... <laughs> That's not what the West was. And then this woman, Jane Campion, she isn't even from America. She's from New Zealand. And she Ugh. shot she shot it in New Zealand to make it look like Montana. And <laughs> what does she know about the American West? Oh, my God. And did yeah. you
2: hear her uh, response? <laughs> yes.
0: <to you? laughs> her response was perfect <laughs>
2: tiny i'm guessing wait, you didn't hear. No, no yeah no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll read the quote yes it has to be said granted the, i'm not gonna do it in a new zealand accent yeah <laughs> it has to be said i think he was being a bit of a b-i-t-c-h <laughs> because you know he's not a cowboy either he's an actor he grew up in <laughs> sacramento and was educated in oregon you know <laughs> oh shit that's awesome yeah
0: and what's kind of funny also in a weird way is
1: that the This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For
2: exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.